0: Right off the top of the program today, I want to bring in a very special guest that many of you uh, drivers out there will be well acquainted with. Her name is Deanna, and she is the Head of Driver Advocacy here at H&M. Deanna, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting.
0: It is, and I think that we're going to get to hear from you uh, a lot more in the future. We're planning on bringing you in uh, maybe once a month and chatting with you a little bit about the program, but since this is your first time on, why don't you go ahead and just tell me about driver advocacy and tell me what the program's all about?
1: I would love to. So we started this program back in December, kind of did a trial run. I got with Eve at H&M. She's in a podcast. She's amazing. Oh, she's so um, good. She kinda, yeah, she's a great, a great gal. She gave me a driver list and was like, hey, dive right in. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> and so I just started calling drivers out of the blue and was like hey we started this program this program is really whatever you want it to be if you need to call chat vent whatever you need I'm your shoulder to cry on I'll be your pal you know whatever you need and so the program kind of took off from there and I've had amazing conversations with these drivers they are the best kind of people from stories in their past a lot of military people which I really truly respect a lot of just funny gentlemen where we'll just be like cracking up the whole time around the conversation. And I kind of keep it light, but if they definitely have concerns, I do my best to kind of chat with Eve and um, within their permission, I contact her and kind of get something short from like, hey, can can you explain my paycheck to me? Or, hey, I have this concern with this, or, hey, this came up while I was driving. So it's really, I mean, it's really good program just for that alone. Just to have kind of somebody you can chat with and get your ideas out there. Um, a lot of drivers are great at voicing their concerns, and I do it 100% anonymous. I never tie their feedback to a specific driver unless they give me permission to. Okay. So um, that's a good thing about the program. Is it's like it's almost like a therapy call. It's not HIPAA or anything, but, like, I treat it as such. I never take someone's feedback and point it directly at them.
0: Sure, sure. Because I wouldn't
1: want someone doing that to me. But that's a good thing about the program, too, is it's completely anonymous. So... A lot of drivers do this stuff, yeah.
0: I really like that part of it. Like you might have to give me the phone number and you might just hear from me. I know you'll recognize my voice and you can tie it back to me. But, um, you know, working with Mike, my audio ninja here can get a little bit grating from time to time. And sometimes I need somebody to talk to. That's all I'll say.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Mike looks offended down there. I know you can't see this right now if you're listening, but uh, I promise I'm just joking around. I think this is a really cool program. I love the fact that you do it anonymously. Everybody that we've spoken to on this podcast, whether it be on the actual air, just talking to them before, uh, loves this program, and I think it's a really cool thing that they get to make use of, and I think that you are obviously really good at what you do. So if you haven't taken advantage of driver advocacy at H&M, Give Deanna a call, chat her up a little bit, and uh, you can also look for her to maybe have a little bit of inside information on the podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, she's a good person to tell. She will definitely get me your information, and, uh, I, you know, this is awesome. We're going to have you on a lot more in the future. I want to say thank you for for coming in here and, and giving me, like, the nuts and bolts, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing because the drivers are loving it, Deanna
1: absolutely it's an honor honestly it's truly an honor and a privilege to um get to chat with these guys every day because i mean it it truly is it's fun it's fun for me so i
0: enjoy it there you go that's deanna head of driver advocacy for h&m give her a call chat with her trust me you'll be better at the other end of that call Looking forward to hearing from Deanna a lot more in the future, as we said. So, what are we talking about this week? Well, uh, the inside baseball of trucking. It's that simple. And somebody's like, wait, trucking, baseball, those two things don't really go hand in hand. You're right, not really, unless you're hauling their gear from Cincinnati to Cleveland so that the uh, Guardians can play the, uh, the Reds. Is that who it is? I don't know. I don't really follow baseball that much. But let me tell you. Where this comes from the Oxford Dictionary of American political slang defines inside baseball as the minutia and detailed workings of a system that are only interesting to or appreciated by experts insiders and aficionados so since I am currently none of those things but working hard to become an insider. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the inside baseball of trucking today. As a four-wheeler, I know that there's a bevy of information on the rules of the road out there that I have not taken the time to learn. And I also know that I'm like most other four-wheelers. Now, I always try to give trucks space. I've learned on this podcast, three football fields is what they would like. They don't like to be cut right in front of. Makes total sense. Uh, I've been told that flashing my lights is a way to signal a truck driver that they're clear to come in the lane or a way to say thanks for uh, letting me in or thanks to them for or thanks to me for letting them in It's getting a little bit convoluted here, but you get it. But I didn't know because I just used to click the brights. So I just used to give it a flash of the lights until a driver told me on an episode of unplugged OTR, uh, please don't blind me. We sit up a lot higher than you. And those bright lights are in fact blinding. So now I know switch the lights off, switch them back on that type of stuff is inside baseball, okay? But I know there's more. I know there's things that every trucker wishes every four-wheeler knew, and there are probably some things that every trucker will keep secret until the day that they retire because it is only for the people in the industry. You know, I get that part of it. We're going to speak to H&M driver Kevin Stevenson a little bit later about this, find out what he knows, and also I'm going to read through some Facebook comments from a Facebook post that we uh, we found. Um, if you have any of these unspoken rules that I have missed, share them with Deanna when you're talking to her on Driver Advocacy, she will get them to me. And uh, I also have some trucking news for you, uh, some trucking industry news. I'm going to start incorporating that a little bit more. There's not always news, but there's a little bit of interesting stuff today, and we'll get to it as soon as we rock out for just a second. From
1: Omaha, Nebraska, to whatever lane you're driving, this is the HM Trucking Podcast with your host. Marcus Bridges
0: welcome into the H&M trucking podcast I am your host Marcus and I really appreciate you being here today make sure to hit us up on our socials or talk to Deanna if you've got something you want to hear or you want to be a part of the program that's why we're here h H&M, and I promise you and also very excited about uh, our interview later today. Like I said earlier, Kevin Stevenson coming up in just a few. Uh, some industry news. Uh, I did not know anything about this until I was just browsing around and I found some stuff on a, uh, a website that is called Transport Topics. And this is crazy. Seven more people have been sentenced in staged New Orleans crashes. Uh, this ongoing Operation Sideswipe has netted apparently more than 50 convictions. The FBI is involved, you guys. This is serious stuff. Uh, seven more individuals have been sentenced over the past month for their roles in staged crashes with tractor trailers in the New Orleans area. It was the latest development in the crash-for-cash criminal schemes against unknowing truckers. Prosecutors said each of the schemes was orchestrated by a slammer or a driver paid by a local attorney who who filed fraudulent lawsuits against the trucking companies on behalf of the participants in the staged accidents that occurred in 2017 and 2020. Uh, The FBI investigation into an estimated 150 intentional accidents with tractor-trailers is ongoing. Uh, A couple notables here, just so you can... Tell yourself whether or not you actually feel like you want to try something like this. Mr. Herbert Allen, ripe old age of 38, and Dion Ridley, uh, the ripe old age of 23, both pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit mail fraud in connection with a staged accident with a tractor-trailer On June 28, 2017, Ridley was a passenger in the car. He falsely claimed that Allen was driving the car when they struck the tractor trailer. In fact, the government's evidence showed that the defendants conspired with others when other participant was driving the car and intentionally hit the tractor trailer. Allen was sentenced to 37 months in prison. That's a shade over three years, followed by three years of supervised release. And Ridley was sentenced to six months, followed by one year of supervised release both were also imposed a mandatory special assessment fee of $100 just to salt the wound. Don't mess around, uh Uncle Sam will catch you, okay? And uh we've also got a little bit of light news here. The state truck driving championships are on the way. I didn't even know these things existed. But the state competitions determine who advances to the National Truck Driving Championships and National Step Van Driving Championships. Uh, Those will all kick off in the first week of March. The Louisiana Motor Transport Association will stage its event March 3rd through 4th. That's already happened, of course, in Baton Rouge, with the other states kind of happening all the way into the summer after that. And since I'm talking to H&M drivers here, Nebraska's competition will be held June 1st through the 3rd in Grand Island. So go represent your company, bro. Get us to nationals, dude. We all need some hardware around here and not the type you're just fixing your truck with. I want something to wear around my neck like some bling. All right, moving on to something that's a little bit more entertaining. I found a Facebook post, which I am just amazing at these days. I'm getting so good at it. Quality of life is slipping. Uh, It's so interesting to me, though, because I I did not know this was a thing. We're talking about the inside baseball of trucking today, right? Well, I didn't know that sometimes you guys get to sample the load that you're hauling. Sometimes you guys just get gifted stuff off of the load. Oh, hey there. I bet you're wondering why I cut myself off on a podcast that I host. Well, when they give you the keys to the house, you might as well decorate and I thought it would be a good idea to contact Eve over at H&M and see exactly what the policy is for this type of thing. Now, none of these stories are coming from H&M drivers in particular, but I thought it was important to remind you about H&M's policy where they ask drivers to contact their driver manager if there are any issues with the delivery, and each situation will be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. Hopefully a case of pizza rolls, but you'll hear about that in a second. Now, let's get back to the fun stuff. Now, I know that this isn't happening all the way through the industry on all fronts, okay? It makes sense that there's some places where this wouldn't happen. Before the comments on this post told me different, I would have guessed that this was a hard no 100% of the time. But I'm finding out that sometimes the receiver just doesn't accept part of the shipment. Uh, This could be due to damages or an incorrect order or something else altogether. But it seems that in some cases, the shipper doesn't want to pay to have these goods shipped back, especially if they're damaged. So what do you do as the driver? Uh, It sounds like sometimes they just throw these goods away, which is tragic, especially if you're hauling food items or more specifically liquor. Um, Let's read through some of these, though, and find out what the drivers have to say. The question was fielded. Have you ever sampled from your load or been given anything from your load? Demetrius used to get free bang energy drinks every day while hauling for Pepsi. That's awesome. Like, what's better than, like, power lifter energy in a can when you're expected to sit on a road trip for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day? Uh, Bobby was once given an entire pallet of chicken nuggets. I did not know that they measured chicken nuggets in pallets. I will be updating my order at McDonald's the next time I go. I can only assume that being gifted a pallet of chicken nuggets is what heaven feels like. Um, but he also said that that was years ago and now they make him throw a lot of that type of thing in the dumpster, uh, which is sad. But hey, it's it's honestly what I expected. TJ took cases of potatoes that were rejected and Toby got some watermelons. Smooch tuned in and suffice it to say, when he was a kid, he said he did not go without with a truck driver as a father. Richard got 20 cases of goddamn gummy bears right before Halloween I, that's like the biggest win that you could possibly ask for. Halloween candy is ludicrously expensive for what you get out of it, which is mainly like a smashed pumpkin and a kicked shin. Um, but if you have free gummy bears to hand out, you're probably the coolest place on the block. I don't know about if they're not individually packaged. If you're just handing my kid a handful of gummy bears, like naked gummy bears, or the gummy bears are in like a bag that I would normally get from a dude out of a trunk in a mall parking lot... That might be a little bit suspicious, but if you get a whole bunch of individually wrapped packages of gummy bears, oh my God, you're the winner of Halloween. Richard also was given six boxes of throat spray, which I assume is only good if you're Steve-O from Jackass. Um, Bobby was given a bunch of chips, three cases of yogurt, and two cases of pizza rolls, seven bags of which he is still working on years later. So I don't know, once again, these, these measurements are not something I'm familiar with. What is a case of pizza rolls like? When you say case, like, I think case that I could carry in one hand. It sounds like case is something that needs to be put on a forklift. So big ups to Bobby. And and I hope you're generous with your pizza rolls, man. There's not really a better thing to eat when you're sitting down for a video game session in the middle of the night than some um, nuclear hot pizza rolls. They get really bad in the middle. Uh, Chuck says that Little Debbie always gives out free boxes of snacks. Now, if you're not familiar with Little Debbie, wake up. Because Little Debbie, like, I'm telling you, goodbye, waistline, hello, diabetes. I could eat my weight in oatmeal cream pies. And I have no shame in that. In fact, one time as a kid, I I murdered a whole box of those things in one sitting. I I didn't even get sick. It's good stuff. It's good quality processed food. (laughs) That's the only way I can put it. Um, I don't know if my guts would hold up to that these days, but I do still love a good oatmeal cream pie. Um, And finally, this is pretty cool. Multiple people said that Hershey, the chocolate company, is very generous with drivers when it comes to handing out candy. And Terry even told us that Kit Kat, uh, the Kit Kat he got from Hershey tasted way better when it came fresh from the factory, rather than packaged and, you know, shipped and then sat on a shelf for however long. So, I'm telling you right now, if you get lucky enough to haul something to Hershey, dude, stock up because what's better than, than some candy on a road trip. I mean, this is what I need. Like this is my fuel. All things considered, I feel like some drivers are more fortunate here than others. Uh, You either get stuff because what you haul is subject to these issues or who you haul for is generous. Um, Or you haul pharmaceuticals and it just isn't worth the prison time and relapse to get grabby, which totally makes sense um, because we did have somebody say, yeah, I I haul pharmaceuticals. I never get anything. It's a bummer, dude, but you're doing God's work out there. We need you. I really do feel like this is inside baseball knowledge of trucking. Okay, and I'm so intrigued to hear more. So once again, make sure you let Deanna know if there's a story like this that you'd like to tell. Uh, And we will ask our guest today, who is Kevin Stevenson, about whether he's ever been lucky like this. So let's get to the interview. Joining us today on the H&M Trucking Podcast is H&M driver Kevin Stevenson. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing out there? I'm doing pretty good. And where are you joining us from today, Kevin? Uh, Just left. uh... I don't even know what the county is. You're in the state of California, though, aren't you? Yeah. And are you a bit bummed out about that? Yeah, considering I had to do a 34-hour reset,
2: I don't like doing resets in California. Any reason for that? Things cost too damn much, and I hate this state.
0: <laughs> you know, that is a consensus. I-, I can say that at this point. We've had enough drivers tell us about their thoughts on California that it- it's, a- it's an overwhelming consensus that drivers don't like it. Now, the the cost has been brought up before. Um, parking and traffic has been brought up before. Does that give you fits as well when you're out there? Uh, parking and traffic, not too much because I generally work things around so that I'm driving at night
2: and shutting down early in the day or know where there's parking at that I can park. So it's not that big of a deal for me, but... The thing with me is, I know how screwed up the laws are in this state, and how easy it is. Like, if you get attacked and you fight back, you can end up in prison.
0: Right now, so it is your preference to actually run nights, or or, or run uh, kind of in the off hours, rather than right through the middle of the day. Correct? Oh yeah, I uh,
2: I spent six years with Schneider, or almost six years with Schneider. In the northeast, and that's pretty much how I ran was nights and early mornings, and there I generally tried to be shut down. Uh, so they try to be shut down by no later than two o'clock.
0: That's kind of nice getting off early, getting up early. You are you a are you an early riser, early to bed, early to rise type of guy, or do you like to stay up late and get up early like a crazy person?
2: Uh, it pretty much is what the job is. I've learned over the years how to shift my sleep if I have to and I can go about 24 hours without much sleep sleep before it gets to me
0: wow I I think I'm good for like maybe 16 and that's only if you don't give me a beer if you give me a beer it's like a hard 12 Kevin that's all I've got in me (laughs) well I mean I'll take a little uh 30 minute cat naps but that's about it those help you quite a bit oh yeah
2: but it's, that's something I learned when I was young. I think I was like 14 or 15 when I learned how to do that with my grandpa.
0: Okay. And and I want to get back to that, too, because I know you, you told me in our little preliminary interview that you've got some family that was involved in, in kind of the industry and stuff like that. And I want to get to that in just a minute. Um, but first, can you tell me how long you've been driving altogether and also how long you've been working for H&M? I started in November of 2014
2: when I first started driving. And I've been with uh, 2019 or 2000. Yeah, I went in 2019 when I started with h H&M and because it's just before the uh,
0: COVID started. Oh, yeah. Isn't that funny how that's like a bookmark in everyone's life now? It's like you remember, it's kind of like the Kennedy assassination. You remember where you were and when, everything like that, or like 9-11. I,
2: I just remember when it started, I was running hard. Mike Tony's like, yeah, Kevin. I'm gonna have to have you do a thirty point. I went, oh, thank God. <laughs> just not in California, please. <laughs> yeah, this, this was uh, right on the uh, ocean, Georgia.
0: Oh, that's nice out there. I have some. Uh, yeah. I have some family. Well, I, I call them family because they're they're just as close to me as family. But uh, they live down in Lincolnton, Georgia, um, and. Yeah. That is one of the smallest, most rural places I have ever been. I, I did not know that uh, it, it could get that small and that remote. And I grew up in a small town in Northeast Oregon, so yeah, um, it' co- cool country down there. Though I've spent a little bit of time in Savannah and Atlanta as well. And uh, you know, Atlanta is one of those Savannah, places that that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, okay, cool. That's great. Tell me a little bit about your experience driving with H&M. How do you like it? What are the things that uh, H&M does better than some of these other companies out here you've worked for?
2: They work better with you, better at keeping you rolling, and better at making sure you get paid for detention or breakdown or things like that, you know, versus what Schneider was like.
0: So were there ever times when you were working uh, for other companies when you felt like like man I, I'm a little unsure of my paycheck right now and you don't feel like that with H&M is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah got it.
2: I I don't even have to ask for detention they're already putting it on me or saying hey send me the picture of the paperwork so I can make sure you get your detention you know which is that's a pretty cool thing.
0: yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, have you uh, have you worked at all, or have you talked to uh, the driver advocacy program at all, and spoken to Deanna at all? Oh yeah, we've had some good conversations. She's great, isn't she? Yeah. For the goal. Yeah, well, uh, you know, drivers, if you're out there listening to this, uh, go ahead and give your feedback on this podcast to Deanna on the uh, on the driver advocacy line. Uh, she connects directly with us. She passes on all your sentiments. If you have something that you'd like to hear or maybe you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, uh, that is a great place to go is your driver advocacy program. And uh, we will work on getting you on so that we can have a chat with you just like we're having with Kevin right now. I, I do want to move on to uh, to your family members here. Now, you told me a little bit about uh, basically getting kind of involved in the industry as a very young kid. Um, tell me about your family members uh, and, 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 you know, whether or not they were drivers, what they did when you were young.
2: Well, I had a stepdad that ran uh,
0: reefer coast to
2: coast. I had a uh, uncle and aunt or uncle and cousin that ran uh, livestock and hay down south and then i spent about eight nine years working on trucks oh wow and and
0: how young were you when you started that
2: Uh, i was about 1920 when i started working on trucks
0: and did you did you enjoy working on trucks are you kind of a nuts and bolts guy you like to take things apart and put them back together make them work right
2: it was all right it wasn't as much fun as working on cars for fun but working on trucks is what where i actually uh Try my back
0: out. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of heavy lifting and uh, and and weird body contortion in that uh, in that profession. Yeah,
2: I'm the guy that got to torque the mains on the cat and take the uh, flywheels out of the uh, buses and shit like that. Not easy work. Well, to give you an idea, torquing the mains on a cat, you're laying on your back, you run the bolts in with a three-quarter inch impact with 180 psi to it. Run them in as hard as they'll go. Then you torque it to five hundred pounds. Then you have to retorque it to flats. After that, wow! All while laying on your back,
0: <laughs> underneath the truck, in the most uncomfortable and and uh, position with the least leverage possible. It sounds like, yeah, yeah. I've always had a, a deep respect for people that can work on engines like that because I've I, I've I was a detail boy in a Chevy shop for a while when I was very young and I watched some of those mechanics. Uh, you know, they'd get their hands pinned up against the engine block with a pry bar, or the the hoist would drop and they'd smash their foot or something like that. Uh, did you ever have any any like injuries other than your back that came from that profession?
2: I dropped a thirteen-inch step clutch. On my pinky. oh gosh
0: <laughs> i I'm sorry to laugh at you, but the only reason I'm laughing is because I only asked the question because I knew you would have an answer, you know, <laughs> and it's it literally burst open. oh when that happened? And did you lose your pinky or anything? No, just it just burst the tip open and held up eventually, oh man, yeah, it was. Uh, that, that was about the most painful thing I've ever had. I can imagine. I'm, I'm squirming over here just hearing you talk about it, Kevin. <laughs> I, to give you an idea how bad it is, that's worse than getting a Tifo
2: stuck in your leg.
0: Oh. God, I can't imagine. This whole conversation is making me sweat right now. My palms are sweaty. This normally doesn't happen to me. so <laughs> uh, I'm not cut out for it. That's why they gave me a microphone and a camera, Kevin, to be honest with you. Uh, as much as I like to, I, I had an old 1972 Chevy. Uh, step side growing up that that was uh, built for drag racing and i love that truck more than certain dead relatives but the engine blew up one time and i couldn't afford to fix it on my own i had to sell it and it's kind of been a lifelong dream to get another one and rebuild it and make it my own Yeah. but i know the frustration that comes along with that and also the physical pain uh, and i just haven't been able to to bring myself around to do it at this point
2: when you start in construction at 13 do you learn how to with fame.
0: Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, tell me uh, a little bit about uh, your first CB handle. Tell me what it was, and tell me who gave it to you, because I know it kind of has to do with what we're talking about. All right, my first CB handle is Cowboy Joe. I got it from schoolmates and cousins because I always wore boots, blue jeans, Western belt, and cowboy hat all the time. But your name's not Joe, so tell me, tell me why Joe joe is my middle name oh okay all right that makes sense so you kind of embodied that cowboy look that cowboy feel yeah and the
2: joe it was common for members of my family to use both their first and middle name like my dad was known as ronald joe or rj and there was april joe lisa joe Marlon joe
0: common to use both names okay and is that a regional thing? Because I've, you know, the, the funny part about when I hear that, uh, Kevin, is that my mom only used my middle name when I was in deep shit. Like it was Marcus Allen, and that was the thing I knew I had to go wherever she wanted me. Right now, but is it pretty common down in uh, down in it, where you grew up to to call people by their first and middle? I think it was more of a family thing. Oh, Okay, gotcha. Because my family was.
2: Unusual for the area. My great grandfather was the first Jehovah's Witness in that area. Huh? It was a little bit different. And and how did he get along? Oh, they got along great. Good. Except when the uh, sheriff went to spank one of my cuts, one of my great uncles. <laughs>
0: That never goes over well. You don't get to spank other people's kids. I think that's just a common common knowledge now, right? Not,
2: not, not when all the older brothers are over six foot tall and two hundred <laughs> to three hundred pounds, and uh, go knocking on the sheriff's front door with hickory ax handles.
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna go over there and do just not necessarily some old school justice, but just let him know that that could be around the corner if he keeps messing around.
2: I know. they were looking for him. <laughs> he he wouldn't hit for a while. <laughs> Smart man, it
0: sounds like. <laughs> well, that's what they used to do without a control, cops. Well, there's got to be justice somewhere, right? I mean, if you're a cop and you have the you have the system behind you and you're unjust and you're you're screwing around like that, somebody's got to take the law into their own hands, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Hell, they had one. There's one town. Uh, all the uh, when the veterans came home. They, they went
0: to into full-out war with the sheriff and deputies. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. That sounds like, like a Netflix movie or something. No, they,
2: it actually happened that, right after the end of World War II. Wow. And and how did
0: it end up? Sheriff lost. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Look, I have great respect for police officers and what they do. I don't mean to laugh at that. It's just that... Uh, Country boys have a way of getting their own kind of justice. I've grown up around them. I know that that's the case. Uh, I, I used to have respect for them. Not anymore. And is that something that has come from the career that you work now, or is that something that came from, from back then? From stuff I was involved in, from firsthand
2: experiences, I know how crooked the criminal system is. I, I personally know of a man that got arrested with two kilos of cocaine and only spent two nights in jail because one kilo was for the judge and one kilo was for the prosecuting attorney.
0: Oh, now you're really talking movie. Like, this is straight out of, no, of a good cop movie, no, right? This, like this, this is, is not a movie. This is straight up. That's crazy. And the judges and the and the cops and the, the prosecutors, everybody all the way up that strain is probably corrupted, yeah?
2: Oh, always oh, has been. I saw a guy get arrested with an ounce of meth, and by the
0: time he got to court, it was a twenty-sack of caffeine pills. <laughs> well, it sounds like a battle that uh, that is is worth fighting, but would be a very hard one to win. Um, and and yeah. I, I understand, you know. Look, people should do the right thing, not the thing that only benefits them. I think that's something we could all agree on. And uh, oh, yeah. unfortunately they're all fallible as well. You know, it, it only takes one, one glad handshake. That's got a couple thousand bucks in it. And uh, a lot of those people probably do just about whatever you asked of them. So it's a, uh, it's unfortunate, but it is a, a real part of our society. And, you know, yeah. in the, in the interest of keeping things light, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of oh, move yeah. past this a little bit if that's yeah. okay. Um, now I talked to Eve a lot, your, uh, your HR specialist there at, uh, at H&M. H uh-huh. and M and And the reason that Eve suggested you to come on the show today is because... We're talking about the inside baseball of trucking, like we said earlier. Some things that, uh, that people might not know about the way that trucking really is or, or rules of the road that they might not know. Eve tells me that you're an old-school trucker, and she put that in quotes. He is an old-school <laughs> trucker. So can you tell me about some of those unwritten rules of trucking that a four-wheeler or just a general civilian might not know? Some of the things that you guys have learned over your course out there and, uh, and really abide by? You no, know, one of the things I try to abide by is don't be an asshole. That's pretty pretty good one to start with. <laughs> be aware of your surroundings. Like, I watch my rear view mirrors, and if
2: I see somebody walking up on me, I'm not going to jump into that last lane. I'll brake and slow down instead of cutting off that other driver that's running 75, 80 miles an hour
0: rather than jumping out in front of him. Which is courteous, but that's also the safe thing to do for everybody, right? Yeah, but they don't. They don't seem to
2: teach that stuff nowadays. <laughs> no. They don't. Or they don't. like uh, going through a city. I still stay on the as much as possible. Stay in the right lane. But you now have all these drivers that they want to stay in that middle lane no matter what, whether they can run the speed limit or not.
0: Do you think that they do that Just so that they can kind of Stay out of the way of, of uh, Traffic that's merging Or is it just They're not paying attention What causes them To want to hang out From in what there? I understand It's what they're being taught To do nowadays Oh really Yeah It's just
2: like um, When I drove for Schneider They actually At one of the OCs They actually had a sign Over the uh,
0: Awning to the fuel pumps Stating that these a CB radio is an unneeded distraction. An unneeded distraction? That's how you guys communicate with each I mean, I know cell phones are, are a big thing, too, but, like, the CB seems to be kind of a distraction-free cell phone, right? It's your conduit to all the other drivers on the road. But that, that's not what they teach them. That's crazy. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm loving this right now because I think that—I that I hope that this doesn't happen, but it kind of sounds like maybe— the CB radio might itself become a little bit of inside baseball that only people that have been doing this for years know about. And and how often do you use your CB during the day? It's pretty much on all the time. Even if you're just listening to it or. Yeah, because I can't.
2: Oh God. There's at least been 10 times I can think of. Or knowing about a problem 15 or 20 miles ahead of me made it so that i could find a place to park so i would not get stuck in traffic and be able to make on-time delivery okay instead of sitting on the road for four or five hours and then have to try to find parking shut down a little bit earlier and then by the time 10-hour break is up all the shit's cleared up and he can roll straight through right you know
0: so, I mean, it can be a lifesaver out there for sure. And if, if oh, yeah. nothing else, it's it's just a form of, of uh, entertainment. You know, I bet I bet you met some real characters on your CB over your years driving, haven't you? Yeah, I've, I've met a few characters. Any ones that you want to share with us? Anything Anything that you can tell us? Or do you kind of keep that close to the vest? It's been a while since I've
2: really come across any characters. because CB usage has gone down so much.
0: Even the Borax aren't using it much or listening as much when you holler at them. Hmm. Well, that's too bad. I, As a kid, my dad always had a CB in the truck because he was, yeah, he managed sawmills and was always constantly communicating with truckers about, uh-huh. uh, you know, weather conditions and everything like that. And on long road trips, I, I, I'm a huge fan of talk radio, but on long road trips, shut the radio off and just let me listen to the CB. I used to love that. Nowadays, you hardly hear anything on the CB. Uh, that's a bummer. That's a real bummer. Well, even in bad weather,
2: I mean, running across Wyoming, you try to give people a heads up, and you don't get any replies back. Uh, I remember, oh, back uh, 2016, 2018, they had a bad blizzard hit uh, New-, New York and Pennsylvania, and a whole bunch of us rolled out, going east on I-80 there must have been about 30 or 40 trucks and we just lined out and spread out about a quarter of a mile in between running CBs letting each other know when the, there was uh, black ice or to move to another lane at which Mile Marker because of an accident or and this was one of the ones where there was trucks hanging off the right side by the trailer tandems trucks Facing west, laying on the right-hand side on the eastbound side of the interstate. Oh no! Trucks that jackknifed and impacted the uh, median so hard
0: it literally ripped the fifth wheel off the tractor. Wow! Yeah. So you guys needed to communicate in in that like oh, yeah. in, in times like that. If you guys don't communicate, somebody's running headlong into a stopped rig. And that's, that's why you're seeing so many of these bad pileups now. Last winter,
2: I was running across Wyoming. It had to be a funny thing to see, because you got a Volvo out front with five or six long-nosed peeps stretched out behind him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was saying, we were running quarter mile or so between, running 45, 50 miles an hour or so, and all of a sudden we come up on a whole bunch of, Guys that are doing 25 miles an hour, nose to butt, you know?
0: And it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you guys could use some communication. <laughs> yeah, but that that's what happens. Yeah. You know, like one of the things I was taught by the
2: older guys when I first started driving is like, if you don't feel safe running 45 miles an hour on the interstate, pull over and park it.
0: Yeah. That seems to be a general rule of thumb. But they don't. Nobody will do it. They're not doing it anymore. So that that kind of brings me to my next question. Is Can you give me some examples of how you know that a driver is new and not well experienced right off the bat? You just can tell.
2: I don't really pay attention. Think about whether they're new or not. Just as whether or not they're idiots. Because <laughs> you see stuff, I mean, like going back to – what I was talking about earlier, about watching your mirrors and watching what other vehicles are doing, you have drivers that will jump out in the left lane doing 10-15 miles an hour below the speed limit and sit there. You're seeing that stuff more and more. But part of that is the uh, truck's being governed. Yeah, I've definitely heard of that. You have one truck governed at 65, one truck governed at 67, and the guy in the 67 mile an hour truck is Going to be close on time, so he needs to get around that 65 mile hour truck to be on time or not end up in a bad situation. Right. But it screws everybody else. Sure. But stuff just like uh, speeding through,
0: flying through the uh, truck stops is one of the things you see a lot. Not slowing down, not being careful in those parking lots. Yeah, I mean, just romping on it. I've never understood that. When you're in an enclosed area, I don't understand what the hurry is. It's like it's the same thing in like a grocery store parking lot. Every time I almost get hit by a Prius when I step out of my truck that's flying through the parking lot, uh-huh. it, it really it, it can bring out a part of me that I thought was long gone with my youth. But I can get angry. Uh, there's no question about it. And I imagine when you're driving, uh, you know, something that weighs eighty thousand pounds, and you've got somebody being careless like that, you start to worry about not only your safety but their safety and also the low. And everything like that.
2: These problems aren't just the new drivers; it's the older drivers too that you're seeing it nowadays. It's like I watch guys walk across the parking lot in the truck stop and never look up from the phone in their hand. <laughs> That's a death wish, isn't it? I'm sure I watch people.
0: Yeah, and it's you know they'll be wearing their safety vests and this and that, and I'm just like, <laughs> right. Yeah, really? It doesn't matter if you're wearing safety oranges if you get hit by a Peterbilt. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me this, Kevin. Let's say that I am a, I'm, I'm a new driver. I just finished CDL school. I'm coming to work for H&M, and they've assigned you as kind of my mentor. What are some things that you would tell me right off the bat that I just need to know about what goes on out here and how to protect myself and everybody else around me
2: well one thing is knowing how to read an atlas okay because the atlas comes in handy for knowing what you're you're allowed legally weight wise uh letting you know where you can and can't go you know low bridges weight restrictions length restrictions and just what roads you can be on because i mean even now there's times i grab that Atlas to see if the route that I'm sure. going to take is going to be legal or not.
0: Do you think that people are relying a little bit too much on their cell phones for that type of information now? Uh, I mean, and, and I'll give an example of why, is because this is actually the second time that we've done this interview because we lost you due to bad service. So if you're overly reliant on your cell phone, but you come up across a part in the Mojave Desert where you've got no service, you're kind of screwed without your Atlas, aren't you? Yeah. Some place like that, There's only so far you can go. Right.
2: You know, there's only one or two directions because there aren't a whole lot of roads. But there's a lot of areas where you'll have truck restrictions. Like take Arkansas, for example. There are routes in Arkansas that have restrictions that you're not going to know about, but yet the GPS... We'll still tell you to take it, that route.
0: Oh, okay. Because the GPS doesn't know any different. They don't know how heavy you are. Yeah.
2: Or, like, there's one section where the GPS tries to route you around it. Ah, gotcha. But it's a legal route. You know, it, it takes you, like, 20 miles out. Right. But yet, it's a legal route. At one time, it wasn't a legal route because they were redoing a bridge, and that's never gotten corrected.
0: And those atlases, they update those pretty much on a yearly basis, right? Well, they do the same with the GPS, but some things don't always take on that, you know?
2: And then, like, there's some stuff you just learn from experience. Like, when I used to drive for Schneider, I lived in Mountain Home, Arkansas. Schneider's GPS actually tried to put me on some roads that it was like, ah! I don't need to be on those roads. We're talking legally truck routes, but there are truck routes where your trailer's going to be right. almost hitting the hillside going around the curves.
0: Yeah, I, that, and I've always, I've always wondered about that when I'm driving on a super narrow highway that's hugging the side of a, of a cliff whether there are restrictions based on the way that the road conditions are about whether or not you can drive a truck out there and and i imagine that type of stuff gets real nerve-wracking if you drive into it without expecting it or without knowing that it's coming oh yeah it it can be a real real pucker factor (laughs) the pucker factor
2: no i I, seriously i had to pick up a load mine road 24 in west virginia uh-huh. It was literally a mine road. I had my left front on the very edge of the asphalt on the opposite side of the road to have maybe six inch- inches of clearance between my trailer and the hillside. Oh, my, Kevin.
0: So the pucker factor was at an all-time high, and your blood pressure was probably spiking too, huh?
2: Yeah, and, it was like, and thinking about having to come down it,
0: and it was good. 6 or 7% grade going up. Oh, wow. So you're coming down and you're you're probably riding your brakes, which is another problem, right? Yeah,
2: so I uh, you know, and then you think about what it's like going to be like coming down. Uh, yeah, it was fun.
0: <laughs> fun. That's a great word to describe. I would have guessed you would have uh, used another F word for that, Kevin, but we'll go with fun for the purposes of this podcast, all right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> or like you get into uh, like Dallas-Fort Worth. It's called the Big D for a reason. You look on it, look at it on a map, and that's what it is. The Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's the only place in the country where you can make one
0: wrong turn going northeast and find yourself going southwest from one wrong turn. (laughs) That sounds confusing as hell. I I do not want to go drive there, especially not if my wife is in the car with me because... Man, when I make a wrong turn, I hear it, let me tell you.
2: Oh, and it's not hard to make a wrong turn. I bet. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I bet. I mean, it ain't ain't as much the
0: spaghetti bowl as it used to be, but it's interesting. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well... Kevin, we've taken up quite a bit of your time uh, over the course of a couple of days now to get this interview, and I really appreciate you coming on. But I just have one more thing because when you and I were talking and setting up this interview, uh, you told me a pretty interesting way that you deal with spam calls because you were thinking about not answering my phone call, but you, you thank God you did because we got this interview set up. How do you deal with spam calls and and keep them from uh, from bugging you during your day? Absolutely ruthlessly vicious.
2: <laughs> I will listen to their voice so I can tell, get an idea where they're from, and I will insult them
0: as viciously as I possibly can. And does that work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so some some things probably better left unsaid on the podcast, but if you're listening to oh, this yeah. and you're wondering how to deal with these uh, Kevin has figured out one avenue. You just got to be able to bring yourself to say those things, and you can probably deal with those spam calls pretty effectively.
2: Yeah, uh, well, it kind of helps with the uh, people that I grew up around. They weren't; they were far from being socially acceptable. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> well, most of the guys I grew up around were either the ones that weren't ex-military from Korea and Vietnam. We're construction workers.
0: Okay. Hardened individuals, basically. Yeah. Got it. Copy that. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the advice in dealing with spam calls. I'm going to see what I can put into practice myself because I get way too many of them. Uh, This has been awesome talking to you. I want to thank you for your time and all the knowledge that you've imparted this way. Uh, We've had a lot of fun today, and I hope that we'll be able to get back in touch with you and have you back on the podcast sometime soon. All right. Talk to you later. Awesome stuff there from Kevin Stevenson. Love having you guys on. Once again, if you're a driver out there listening to this, and you're like, I would be good on that podcast. Please get competitive about it. Call Kevin up, tell him what you didn't like about it, and then call me up and jump on the pod with me. We can start like a little rivalry between you guys. Not really. They don't want to hear that. They want you guys to get along, which is why uh, I want to have you on the show to talk about your day, talk about the things that you go through and tell me your stories. Talk to me about your inside baseball And don't forget, Deanna over at Driver Advocacy is a fantastic resource, so please use her and uh, connect with the podcast through Driver Advocacy. Something else I'm going to bring you each week, uh, starting this week, is a little bit from Safety Coordinator John Witzke. Now, John's not going to come on the podcast all the time, but he is going to send me some updates and some things that he thinks uh, will be beneficial if we pass them on to the drivers. And we're going to get to that right now. So what John said he wanted me to talk about this week is unsafe CSA basic. And basically, what is that? All right. So the short answer to this is unsafe driving refers to the operation of a commercial motor vehicle by drivers in a dangerous or careless matter. Uh, Some of these violations can include some of the following um, and we'll, we'll actually get to the vol, uh, the violations here in just a moment. I think it's more important real quick to discuss how these violations are multiplied. Each violation is multiplied by three for six months, okay? So if you had a 10-point violation, let's say it was for speeding, that's 30 points for the first six months. After that first six months, we go on to the next 12 months where that same violation is multiplied by two, So that's going to be 20 points. And then for the last 12 months, it's multiplied by 110 points. So your 110 point speeding violation is going to be uh, good for 36 months here. And you're going to be looking at 30, another 50. And then it's like 60 points. All right. So it it adds up and it adds up quickly. Uh, Some drivers are not aware. These points are attached to their PSP for 36 months and they're attached to the motor carrier uh, of which they work for for 24 months. Basically, these violations are as follows. Where it comes to speeding, if you're between 6 to 10 miles an hour over, that's going to be 4 points. If you're 11 to 14 miles an hour over, that's 7 points. And 15 plus miles uh, over the speed limit is going to net you 10 points. Speeding in a construction zone will also net you 10 points. Uh, So do watch for the orange cones. Um, I'm gonna just kind of hammer through some of these really fast here. Failure to obey traffic device, failure to maintain lane, those will hit you for five points. Failure to use your seat safety belt, that's a seven-point violation. Using your cell phones, ten points. Following too close is five points. Violating lane restrictions are three points. Reckless driving is ten points. Railroad crossing violation, five. Improper lane change, five. It makes sense. These violations can quickly get drivers in trouble with their safety scores. And most carriers run a driver's PSP as part of their due diligence to investigate a driver's past driving history before they hire. So that's important to remember. Violations uh, recorded on a roadside inspection stays on the motor carrier CSA for two years and the driver's PSP for three years. So same thing here driving safe and paying attention to your surroundings not only helps the motor carrier's monthly csa scorecard but commercial drivers psp scorecard as well stay safe and stay fresh cheese bags we're out till next week see you thank you for listening
1: to the h H&M and trucking podcast please leave a review subscribe and connect with marcus over at the h H&M and trucking social media channels and if you're considering a job at H&M, find us at hmtrucking.com. Until next time, stay safe and ahead of the curve, drivers.